everyone thanks so much for joining us again for episode 34 of the arms boom and like project otherwise affectionately known as the abp i was talking to somebody uh, earlier this week about the acronym for the show and they're like what the heck is that and i'm like oh it's what i like to call it i'm hoping it catches on i don't know if it will but we'll keep trying uh my name is arms glad to have you along for the ride if you're listening to the rebroadcast or joining us for the very first time this is a live stream show that we do once a week uh, 34 episodes, like I said, and strong. We started this back in the end of May of this year, and it's a way for Windsor-Essex to come together as a community to have some real conversations, to talk with one another about some of the good work that's being done, and to ask some great questions of my guests. And plenty of my guests have been people that I have talked to through the years in my broadcast career and certainly in my career in public relations and communications as well. So a lot of these folks are people that I have dealt with on a one-on-one -on -one basis and my family has dealt with as well. So there's some tremendously great work happening here in YQG and it's about time somebody spotlight that here locally. So that's what this show is all about. And what we like to do is talk about who was on the show and who's coming up on the show. So we had a really great chat last week with Clen and uh, Kim Greenwood. Uh, these are the folks from Hag uh, Customs. They're a local print company who are helping us do some great fundraising for the Windsor-Essex County Humane Society. That episode is up on YouTube and Spotify. And Jay Sue, I call him Jay Sue, Jeremy Sulier from Windsor Fire and Rescue, uh, one of the driving forces behind this year and many of the Sparky's Toy Drives. Good friend of mine is going to be joining us next Friday to talk a little bit about Sparky's Toy Drive. Hard to believe that that's already coming down the pipe. And some of the challenges Windsor Fire and Rescue has had from an organizational standpoint uh, with COVID and fundraising for Sparky's Toy Drive over the last couple of years. So I have some very fond memories of Sparky's Toy Drive over the years, and uh, it's a great way for Windsor to give back. So Jeremy Sulier will be on with us next week here on the program. But just imagine, if you will, if you're a parent and you're coping with the stress of supporting a child who has significant challenges, well, you know what? The most important thing for families is to feel that their child has friends and is cared for and is safe. And you know, many families who have kids with disabilities require support because of the extra demands that they face as parents, not only just being a parent, but also being an around the clock caregiver and making sure that their emotional and intellectual needs are met. Respite care is certainly a time when somebody else cares for the child to give that family a short break. Family Respite Services provides this service by assisting families to recruit a trained caregiver. And this short break can also be a time for a child with a disability to participate in community activities, make new friends. And it's a time where the parents and often the brothers and the sisters can spend time with each other. Parents can spend time with their other kids, rest, or even just catch up on errands. It's such a vital service for families. And there is one organization doing some tremendous work here locally to make sure that those families get the help that they need. Family Respite Services uh, is just a tremendous resource. And I'm really happy to welcome a good friend of mine who's doing some incredible work here on the program and really across Windsor and Essex County. Alexandria Fisher is joining us here on the project. How you doing, my friend? Good to see you. So good, Arms. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, thank you for making some time with me tonight. Um, I got to tell you, uh, you know, we've got lots of ground to cover with Family Respite Services, your career, 
everything that you continue to do to raise funds, raise awareness for what Family Respite Services does here locally. We certainly want people to join in on the conversation too. But first of all, how you been through COVID? I mean, it's been a while. I think the last time we've kind of connected was just the start of this craziness almost two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well. Uh, family's doing good. Um, family respite services, it's been, you know, challenging, right? A lot of our families are experiencing social isolation and then the pandemic hits and feeling even more soci- socially isolated for their children. So it's been challenging. Families are resilient. Um, some families were going through a crisis. So each family is different. Each child is different. So we you know, had a lot of family coordinators working really closely with families, you know, throughout uh, the years, but especially the last two years of the pandemic, for sure. Major pivots too, right? I'd imagine even at the beginning of the whole pandemic back in March 2020, when nobody knew what the heck was going on. uh, I know certainly there was so much guidance coming down from Public Health Ontario and things were changing minute by minute, hour by hour. Uh, when you think about uh, vital resource, and I want to get into that personal connection as we continue on the show with family respite and certainly my family's experience, but you talk about, you know, having that sort of, I'll say it's like a lifeline for a lot of these folks to get that break, get that time to sort of recharge their batteries. But then I'd assume that, you know, there's a lot of questions when this all opened up, like, how do we do this safely? How do we do this efficiently? How can we do it during a global pandemic? So we have 600 direct support providers working in families' homes, working with children in the community. And those 600 support providers are working with our 1,200 families. And so each family wanted, you know, something a little bit different, right? Um, They wanted in-person still, but maybe the direct support provider wasn't comfortable going uh, to the family's home. Some families wanted virtual support, um, but the support provider still wanted to be in person. So really, it, you know, it stays true to our mission of ensuring that we're offering individualized, family-centered, flexible respite support. So really, the team worked really hard to ensure that we were still meeting the needs in a very flexible, creative way. And, um, you know, it wasn't cookie cutter, right? Like we didn't reinvent programs that were, you know, a standard template. It was more or less, what can we do for each and every family? What can we do with all of the direct support providers so that we're meeting everyone's needs? That's... A lot of work, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, especially with, you know, with everything happening back in March of 2020, I just go back to that again. I mean, you go from March until April, it's like, you know, ghost town on the roads, people working from home, people pivoting from working in the office full time to working from home. And I'd imagine too, I mean, like you said, it's not that cookie cutter. You can't have that cookie cutter approach. It was very, again, individualized, but then I'm sure that the families must have appreciated that so much to at least have that sort of lifeline to those those breaks and that support that you guys offer at Family Respite Services. It's so true. Like research tells us that respite, short breaks for everybody is pertinent. But when you're caring for a child with a disability, um, the research tells us that families will experience, you know, financial hardship at a, at a higher level or, um, you know, the, the family may fall apart. And so that respite, that relief ensures that, you know, the family can hopefully stay together. The family unit can, can stay strong. And so through COVID, it's like, you know, how do we quickly pivot? And our staff did, you know, a phenomenal job of like delivering activity kits to families' homes And then associating a video on our YouTube channel, our Family Respite YouTube channel, and then the kids would open this activity kit 
and could click on YouTube and still learn, you know, fundamental movement skills, still, you know, go um, and do recreation activities in a virtual format. So, you know, everyone just sort of, again, is resilient and, and does what they can to ensure that, you know, we're still making an impact in children's lives and families still feel that support. And that fundraising, that awareness, that community support, that all continues through a pandemic, right? I mean, you, from a fundraising perspective, and I know you and I have worked over the years on a number of different uh, initiatives, at least, you know, from my lens to get that messaging out for family respite services that you guys are doing these incredible events to support your programs and services. But again, uh, talk about reinventing the wheel when it comes to how to engage folks from fundraising too. That must have been a bit of a challenge, but I mean, geez, I... I see what's on your Facebook page and, and and it's pretty awesome what you guys are doing for that massive project too that's coming down the pipeline. Yeah, we have an annual event on Erie Street. It's Walk on Erie. It's not a lot of walking. It's more, um, you know, uh, wine and, and food to ensure that we can raise some funds. Uh, we sell out every year. So we had to pivot to go for um, curbside. Um, we still wanted to support restaurants, of course. Um, the restaurants have always been so good to us over the years, 22 years that event's been uh, ongoing. So we were able to still help restaurants and then uh, attendees were still able to participate and pick up, um, you know, a nice takeout container for their, their friends and their family. So that was a pivot, but I mean, in the midst of all of this, we are in a capital campaign. So, you know, we're trying to build a new accessible respite home. And so, yeah, we take a step back and, you know, is it the right time to be connecting with people in the community when there's, you know, fear of unknown and, you know, what, what does the future look like for, you know, my family, my business? And obviously that's a priority, right? Um, so, you know, talking with the board, we decided to go sensitively, strategically and, you know, per capita, like Windsor-Essex, the philanthropic initiatives that happen, it's just unbelievable. And so we continued on with the capital campaign and we are almost at our goal uh, again, uh, amidst uh, a pandemic. So just grateful for the community that we live in. And you know, I mean, I see your sign back there, superheroes live here. And, you know, Carrie and you, and of course your little lion, Liam, you're all superheroes. But, you know, you do that work at the Humane Society. You've done that through, you know, media and it's, our community is just unbelievable. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that. You know, a lot of folks, they always try to, when I do the show or any kind of live stream, they always try to creep the background, right? So I always try to, I put some stuff up. I like, uh, like Batman has in his back cave. It's sort of like the spoils of war, right? But no, I put that up because um, somebody had uh, had that made for Liam. Um, you know, he's been through a lot of, you know, health challenges over the last, you know, few years we've had him. And, uh, you know, by no means is it uh, a walk in the park. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, you post stuff on social media and everything looks great. And, you know, there's days where, you know, we wonder what's next for his diagnosis. And, you know, we, we just push forward with the best, but we, we firmly believe that, you know, we, I said to you before we went live today on the show, it's like, we'll worry about the people underneath this roof and you, you worry about your, your child. And if you're a parent, you, you want the best for your child and you'll do anything to protect your child. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's, you know, you're right. Superheroes do certainly live in Windsor, Essex, and the community has been fantastic. Like I saw, 
Um, you know, and I, and I do follow, I highly encourage folks to follow Family Respite on Facebook. They, they just, is such great news coming out of your newsfeed on a consistent basis. But to see, you know, businesses still give back despite the uncertainty of the pandemic. Like I know uh, there was some significant uh, infusion of um, resources into your capital campaign too. Um, you know, folks who are very well versed in the building sector, uh, you know, contributing to something which makes sense. Uh, you know, Joe Cherovino from Antonino's, you know, kind of working with you guys on that, how it goes as well. But I think that's a testament to some of the connections you've built as well for Family Respite and making sure that people see the value in what they're doing. Because I'm, I'm sure there are families who they ha might have somebody who's utilized your services or they know somebody who has utilized your services and have seen the value. And again, that break, which is so crucial for folks who are uh, raising children with disabilities. Yeah, I mean, when our coordinators called families to say, you know, we can sort of go back to normalcy um, with our programmings, like what I heard from the, the staff was it was just that sense of relief, like, thank goodness, it, it's time we need this. And so, yeah, the families look at respite as a lifeline and, and need the support. So the fact that, you know, again, through the pandemic that um, donors have stepped up, investors, um, people who are making in-kind donations, uh, again, it's just, uh, we're so grateful for the support. And so Joe Cherovino from Antonino's Pizza, we'll give him a shout out. Um, Joe would appreciate that, of course. Um, he owned the property uh, on the other side of our current respite home. And so we've always needed to build a new home. It was never built with the intent for accommodating the needs of children with disabilities. And, you know, we were always chasing after it to do upgrades, but family said, the fam like the home is okay. We cannot go without, we can't, you know, have a disruption of service. So when Joe approached us that he owned, you know, the property on the other side, of course, he would like the property adjacent to his business on Howard Avenue. You know, the stars aligned and it, it made perfect sense that now we could finally build an accessible home, which the families need, the children deserve, the staff deserve. Um, and then, of course, Joe can have uh, the property right beside his business. So we are renting from Joe and continuing to offer programming at our current home. And then hopefully come January 2022, if we you know, raise enough funds and construction continues, we'll be able to operate our programming in the new home. So exciting times. It's it's emotional. It's exciting. I always say I'm going to need like composure lessons for the grand opening, right? Because <laughs> When those kids walk through the doors, it's just, yeah, it's going to be super exciting. Well, I think that's, uh, you, you're leaving a lasting legacy, right? I mean, that, I mean, you're part of something that's going to, you know, uh, affect families and, and kids for generations, hopefully to come. And, you know, you talk about that location right near Antoninos. I mean, I remember personally, side note on, on, on the program here, um, you know, Family respite services to me has been a lifeline for my immediate family too. My brother Adam, um, we uh, has uh, developmental autism, and the, the the autism scale he's lower functioning, right? Uh, so I remember growing up, and this is like in the late '80s, early '90s, where autism wasn't as prevalent, 
as it is into society today. But I remember taking the drive. And, you know, when you're young, you think going down Howard Avenue is like a two hour drive, right? I remember like, cause we used to live right behind Devonshire Mall. My mom would be like, okay, well, we're going to take Adam for the weekend to family respite services, right? And I remember thinking, oh, it's, it's, it's way, it's not out there at all. But I remember taking that drive and I remember Adam going and some of the, the folks who were running it at the time were just the, some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. And my brother just having just a phenomenal time and giving my parents a bit of peace of mind. So, you know, we could, you know, spend a bit of time as a family. Um, so that happened quite often in our household during the late 90s and uh, early 90s as well. So it's a vital resource for folks because, you know, just speaking from an autism lens and uh, the other uh, developmental challenges my younger brother Adam has, it's like, you know, I was the oldest, he was the second before we had my two sisters. And then very much so, you know, because my parents were trying to get him the best, I guess, education possible, the best help possible. Um, you know, it, I know they often say to me, well, we, sometimes we think we didn't spend enough time with you. And it's like, I get it. Like, I get why you had to do what you do. But, you know, I, I can't speak volumes enough about how awesome it was for us to have that, especially during, again, the 90s, as opposed to now here in 2021, where I'm sure you see families who are probably in similar boats try to utilize those services. Yeah, I mean, children uh, with autism, we're seeing more and more um, with significant challenges, right? So children, youth are coming to us with a dual diagnosis. So they're living with autism and a mental health disorder. So um, some of the children can be physically aggressive, um, need constant um, supervision so that the, the child is safe. So when parents have more of that full break, more of a, a weekend break at that respite home, they can recharge their, their batteries and sustain that level of love and care that they, they want and need to uh, for the family. And and of course, siblings too, right? I think it's a chance for parents to spend quality time with other children, um, quality time with each other, of course. And it, it's just, it's so pertinent that families get that break. And sometimes we hear from our youth who are, you know, quite independent, you know, this, this weekend was so important. I needed that break from my parents and, you know, from my siblings. So yeah, it goes both ways, right? Yeah, it's 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 great to see that kind of that feedback from the kids too, right? I mean, they're probably like, oh, mom and dad are on my case. So it's like I get to actually hang out with my friends and and yeah. get away from uh, the daily grind, so to speak. But you had mentioned that hopefully January 2022 rolls around and you guys are able to continue on. What else do you need? How else can the community support what's going on for the capital campaign? Yeah, so for the capital campaign, you know, our projected budget about two and a half years ago when we did our feasibility study was a certain amount. And so, you know, we want to have 30% of that before we can go public. So we're grateful to the Soltz Family Foundation for um, helping us ignite the campaign. And of course, then the home is being named after the Soltz uh, family. And then after that, um, you know, other investors are, are stepping forward and, you know, we're getting phone calls that people want to be a part of this legacy. And again, for, for many children and for so many years to come, the home is 4,400 square feet. So wow. it's a large accessible home. It's set up to pretty much operate two homes within one. So we can accommodate, you know, females on one side, males on another. We can increase capacity so that, you know, maybe we have children with physical disabilities on one side of the home, while children with um, a developmental disability like autism can um, 
be accommodated on the other side of the home. Younger children on one side, older children on the other. So the home is set up um, to ensure that we can increase capacity. And so, you know, going back to investors when they're walking through the home, you know, they're happy to see that we can hopefully accommodate more people. We have a wait list for the programming that happens at that home. So it's after school crisis programming, it's full weekend support, and then it also becomes a specialized summer day camp program as well. So as investors, you know, walk through, um, you know, they're wanting to make in-kind donations. So we had people commit to the whole roofing system, a business, Quinn Roofing and Melosh Windows, um, you know, makes this really high-end window. And, um, you know, of course, they want to be able to help. And so we need specialized windows, right? So that it's not um, shatterproof. And, you know, we can't have blinds in the home, right? For safety reasons. So um, Melosh Windows creates and manufactures this new window to to meet our need. And so the, the blinds are within the window pane. So all of these people, you know, are stepping up and then at the same time, our projected budget significantly increases due to um, what everyone's experiencing and increase in costs, especially in the construction industry. So as time goes by, um, you know, our projected budget seems to keep increasing. But I, I think we're, you know, again, well on our way. We are having our concrete being poured this week. And the flooring's almost completely installed. So uh, again, uh, we hope to be open January 2022. Um, We are going to put in an accessible play space in the backyard. So we have about $200,000 to obtain um, so that we can reach our our final goal. And and fingers crossed that we won't see uh, more construction costs heighten in the next couple months here. It, it has been very, very challenging. But again, I, I like to be super positive. So it's our community and and that's what it's all about, right? You'd mentioned, oh, first of all, like, uh, you know, over the course of the summer, and I'm not building a capital campaign here at the house, but I carry it was on me to, to, to maybe look at uh, putting like a gazebo or something in the back. And then I was sourcing out some of the wood prices and I'm like, my God, like it's, it's, and I saw the news reports, you know, and it's like, holy cow, but I can't imagine like to see that, like, what you guys have budgeted for. And then to see the, the, the wood, you know, when it was really starting to skyrocket there, I mean, that must've certainly been something to flag. And then what, what struck me, was, as you were saying, Alexandria, is that you're walking people through these business leaders, these people who are doing the gig on a daily basis, whether it is construction or uh, anything to do with home building, and they're seeing it and they're like, you know what, I can get behind this. I, You're kind of showing them the possibilities that's within the framework of what's there. And I think that's that's so crucial for to folks to see, right? It's one thing to kind of show them on a piece of paper, this is what we envision, but when they can walk through and maybe see and envision themselves about what kind of difference they can make, that must make a world of difference. You know, it's an honor to be able to advocate for the 1,200 families that we work with at Family Respite. But when, you know, a business or an individual hears directly from a family or gets to meet a child, um, I, I think it's it's an easy sell, right? Like I, I look at, you know, my position as sort of, you know, in the sales uh, industry and when people know that they are going to make a lasting impact and make a massive difference in a family's life and a child's life. It's, it's an easy sell. So again, I, I'm um, honored to be able to uh, work for the families that are in the program, but 
um, yeah, when, when people learn about what this house means to, to so many families, it's, I think it's sometimes a shoe in, right? <laughs> when you are able to illustrate that the possibility that's going to happen at, at, at the build and the capital project, um, and you get the feedback from the business community, from the supporters, the donors, uh, what's the feedback that you're getting from some of the kids, the families to see this sort of, you know, build around them and what's possible? Yeah. So there was one little guy that was um, at the the respite home where we're currently operating. And so we asked the family if he could, you know, come over and, and check it out. And so he brought his, you know, dump truck over with the staff. And, you know, of course, I'm taking a photo, any, you know, photo opportunity, right, to showcase, you know, how the home's going to be used with a, a smiling child is is great that I can share with the investors, right? So, um, you know, I say he's the boss of the construction site and, you know, he's just super excited, right? Um, other youth who are quite vocal and independent, you know, saw the drawings for the accessible play space that uh, Mark Jones is going to be, um, well, he's obviously developed, designed, and then will be implementing. They had a say in what the backyard's going to look like, right? So the awesome. fact that they're going to have like workout fitness equipment in their backyard, um, they're just ecstatic, right? So they're just very eager to, you know, get uh, through the front doors and, and see this the space that they're going to be able to enjoy. And at the same time, you know, sometimes it's the one thing on the calendar that this child may have. So it's, um, you know, sometimes we we take that for granted, right? So this home is is very special to so many of the children and the youth. So yeah, I can't wait for them to be able to access the programs in the home. Well, Mark Jones is a good buddy of mine. Um, he's known my family for years. I actually had him on the show in the summertime. And, uh, you know, outside of the stuff he was doing during the pandemic, bringing PPE to folks who are uh, at high risk, uh, I know the guy is just, I'm going to say it, but he's a kick-ass designer when it comes to playgrounds. I mean, the guy's got like a lens for creativity. So I'm really excited to see and hear about what he's got up his sleeve for you guys, because I know if he, and that's one thing I love about Mark too, is Mark will listen to the client's needs directly. And I know it's obviously a bigger ticket item, but it's like, man, if you could find a cost-effective way to kind of do this, personalize people's playgrounds at their homes, <laughs> like, mm. you're a very wealthy man, but uh, I think he's going to do a great job for you guys too. I know he's he's really looking forward to that as well. So, you know, for folks who are just joining us here on the program, uh, perhaps listening to us on the live stream or the rebroadcast on Anchor on our Spotify accounts, uh, this is the Arms Women Like Project, and I'm talking to Family Respite Services, Alexandria Fisher, with me today, uh, talking a little bit about some of the major projects that are happening for Family Respite Services and how crucial it is for the Windsor Essex County. Uh, uh, community to really support them as they continue through, um, I don't want to say challenging times, but certainly different times when it comes to fundraising and connecting with the audience as well. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, Family Respite Services was able to pivot, become very um, localized and and very one-on-one um, -on -one when it came to dealing with uh, the families during the height of the pandemic as well. For those folks who aren't necessarily familiar for what else you guys do, and continue to do for folks if you were to tell them a little bit more about how family respite got started and 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 sort of the reach in the community as well um would you be able to kind of illustrate that for folks who who haven't really got to know what family respite is all about 
Of course. So it's great to have this opportunity, right? Um, I connect with thousands of um, people, especially students at St. Clair College and the University of Windsor. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have 600 direct support providers, but we have 1,200 families. So we have a lot of direct support providers working with more than one family, like I did uh, in college and university, but there's always that need for support staff. So I have to take the opportunity to um, you know, let everybody know there is a job opportunity working directly with families um, in the family home. And it could be, you know, helping the child with academic support or engaging in like recreation activities with the child. So even going to, you know, the neighborhood park and um, shooting hoops or kicking the ball around. Um, it could be working on fundamental movement skills with the child. It's usually about four hours a week with one family. And it's usually a couple hours a day a few days out of the week. So that's our main program is our direct support provider program. And many families request that one-to-one -one support. So we have a lot of students, a lot of recent graduates working in that capacity, working as a direct support provider in families' homes. And then we have uh, another program in many community centers. So back in 2006, um, we started operating so that we have trained support staff in community centers. So prior to 2006, if a family went to register the child at, you know, Atlas Tube or Walmer or 80 Knox, they may have been denied access um, if they didn't have staff to accommodate the needs of children with disabilities. So we heard from families that, you know, that was a, a major gap in our community. So we collaborate, we work really closely with the city, all the municipalities, so that all children can register. So we can be proud to be an accessible and an inclusive community. So that's another one of our main programs so that children can, you know, participate on a Friday night program, a Saturday program, a summer day camp program as well. So we have about 95 staff working in uh, community centers across our community. Wow. So those are our two main programs. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned Alexandria that, uh, you know, when you were in university colleges, is that how you got your start with 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 family respite? Uh, you know, going through those particular programs, or yeah. So I grew up on a farm in Kingsville and um, learned very quickly farming life wasn't the life for me. <laughs> so quickly, you know, tried to get out of that, and um, I started working with my cousin who lives with cerebral palsy. So that's when I was about 16, 17. And then all through college and university, proud alumni of uh, St. Clair College and the University of Windsor, uh, I worked with several families. So I was working um, after class, I was able to implement like the theory, the, you know, the, the knowledge in a very practical setting, right? So for me, I'm like a kinesthetic learner, um, practical learner, right? So I needed to put my education to, to use right away. So it was an awesome and valuable opportunity for me as a student where I could um, get experience working directly with children um, and then, of course, apply my, my education. 
So then, you know, I'm approaching graduation and my parents are like, okay, you've been in school here long enough. You know, we're, we're not paying for school anymore. It's time to get a, a big girl <laughs> job. Yeah, so yeah. So I thought, you know, I've been working at Family Respite for seven years post-secondary. And what I heard from families that I worked with was, you know, people don't even really know family respite exists or, you know, people don't know how to pronounce respite. Um, people don't know what respite means. So on a side note, we probably look at rebranding short break service because people still are, you know, not familiar with the, the respite sure. term unless you're, you know, dealt with it on a personal level. Right. Um, so what we also heard from families was there was like lack of programming and um, there wasn't enough funds to to meet the family's needs. So I heard all of that and, you know, listening to the, the families that I worked with and I, you know, wrote up a proposal to Family Respite and Catherine Shanahan, our executive director, she, you know, has been with the organization from the beginning, I think, looked at the proposal and thought, oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, I, I showed my work ethic. I showed my passion. I, you know, wanted to make an impact and work with the team and, um, you know, help family respite um, and work closely with everybody there to help close gaps, to raise awareness and be able to advocate for for families in our community. So the proposal was, you know, I want to do that on a full time uh, basis um, as a career. So the day I graduated, um, I missed my graduation because I was hired at family respite full time. So, wow. Yeah. Fifteen years later. Um yeah, lots has happened in 15 years, but I've been with Family Respite for 15 years. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. Well, geez. Well, first of all, that's awesome. Second of all, <laughs> um, you know, I, I and, and this is because like we're both kind of in that realm, right? I don't think some organizations, I think progressive ones, realize the value of getting outside of the silo, right? It's like, it's like you have these great programs and services that you know about and the people in the organization know about. And maybe the people, like you said, the directly who have, who have utilized it know about, like you say, uh, you know, short break, right. Or, you know, um, our barn buddies program at the humane society, right. You hear about those things and it's like, okay. And you're in that realm, but it's like, if you can extrapolate that, and take it from like sort of a consumer lens for folks who may want to use those services and say, well, how can I get them to wrap their heads around that? I think that skill set is so crucially in whatever field you're in. I think that's so invaluable to kind of take that information nugget and make it digestible for folks to say, okay, wait a second. I can, from, from even a donor standpoint, but certainly from just even, Hey, I, you know, my kid is, uh, is special needs. He, he, we may need this, but how do you, how do you unpack that information so people can, can get it? And I think I, I maintain that's a skill for people to have. And I think some people who do it well, like yourself, you're able to illustrate the need and the desires. And, and I'll say too, Alexandra, kudos to you for uh, working on the ground level uh, to get to where you are, because I think that gives you a, a, a wide lens again, to see, Hey, I've 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 not only selling it, but I've I've lived it, I've worked it, I've breathed it. I know what this is about. I know the direct impacts of what we're doing here. Yeah, I don't think I could again advocate for families if I didn't have you know that frontline experience. And I, when I'm talking with students and doing presentations at the college and university, you know, I I want to you know inspire people to get involved and 
not necessarily with family respite, but get involved in the community as a whole, right? Um, we need fresh perspective around the table. We need, you know, that theory that's like hot off the press, you know, from these um, students or recent graduates. And we want to, you know, listen and, and engage with our staff, our donors, our, you know, all of our stakeholders so that we can come up with, you know, the proper strategic plan and, and take action on, you know, always moving forward and being creative and innovative and, again, continuing to, uh, to meet the urgent respite need here in Windsor-Essex. You know, 15 years you've been, you've been at it, right? And I'm assuming, and I talk to people when I go back to my broadcast days, right? Like I, some of the first social media stuff that I used when I was in broadcast was Facebook, uh, not Facebook, uh, MySpace. And it's like, now you, you, you flash, you fast forward now and you know, there's TikTok and all that kind of stuff. How has the social media impacted you folks at Family Respite to kind of get your messaging out and to connect with folks on that one-on-one -on -one platform? Yeah. And I mean, I guess I want to sort of answer that question from the lens of the capital campaign, right? So at Family Respite, like we're not experts in, in fundraising. We would hope to be considered as experts in delivering respite programming. So, you know, we don't have this like monster donor database of um, people who have, you know, invested in our programming and our families in the past. So, um, you know, just again, hit the ground running, right? And connect with people in the community and bring people to the construction site and, you know, try to tell the stories from the, the family perspective and in hopes that, you know, family respite is, is somewhere where they want to be um, philanthropic. But at the same time, I also, you know, love the fact that so many people in Windsor-Essex are connected to so many different organizations. And we're all, you know, uh, important. And so I think that, you know, again, it's, it was evident that people wanted to uh, be a part of what we were doing at Family Respite and um, a part of the community as a whole, ensuring that all organizations, especially over the last two years, feel the community support and we're all in this together. Do you miss doing a lot of the in-person events? I know it's been a little bit weird lately with, with everything going on in the last 18 months. I know things are slowly getting, hopefully knock on wood, back to normal, but, you know, kind of the, you know, the fundraising, the networking, getting out there, getting in front of people. Yeah, I mean, that social piece is probably why I love, you know, my my career at Family Respite. But I think, you know, this was a time for all of us to take a step back to and sort of, you know, reevaluate. And, and like you said earlier, right, like what is most important? And so, you know, the most important thing is between those four walls and it's the, the family, um, you know, uh, under your roof. So, you know, I think it was nice to sort of take a step back too, and, um, you know, do the important things of like, you know, meditating and reading and um, recharge. I felt like I was like, go, 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 um, you know, after work every day running around and, you know, try not to miss a beat. Right. But I think it's, uh, it's so important for every individual to be able to take a step back and recharge uh, your batteries. So yeah, it was, a, it was a good life lesson uh, for me. But of course, you know, I miss pe seeing people in person uh, like sure. yourself and, oh, and so many you. others. But yeah, I, I am looking forward to getting back to some type of this new norm, whatever that may be, right? 
Yeah, I miss, um, you know, it's really a blessing, you know, we were talking about before in the air since I landed at the Humane Society just to get back in the Windsor area proper, so to speak, and and to get out and kind of, you know, do what I did very much from a community standpoint and just talk to folks and, 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 and rely on folks like yourself and make those connections and say, you know, what can we do to support each other? Like you said, what can we do to help each other and boost each other up and, you know, become better because of our connections, right? And you're right 100% on, you know, the whole take a step back. And, you know, I think you, I think most folks have had a, hopefully an opportunity to kind of take inventory of, you know, the relationships they want to cultivate, uh, you know, how to treat pe folks. I think that's a big thing too during the pandemic, uh, you know, maybe slowing down just a bit and maybe the world is not on fire all the time. Right. I think a lot of folks operated from that lens where it's always a crisis and it's always this all the time. And it's like, you know, somebody once told me, you know, the problem is with the world being on fire 24 seven, that's a really quick way to get burnt out <laughs> if you've got flames all around you. And uh, I, I know for me personally, I mean, I, I think there's been a paradigm shift with, you know, what kind of work you put in and how you want to make sure that you're you're doing a great job. And I think Windsor is such a unique place, like you had said, that you can rely on folks to kind of help you out as long as you, you know, you're putting that good energy out there as well. Right. And you're trying to perpetuate a little bit of positivity, uh, which I think, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been in somewhat short supply too, but I think that's why it's crucial to talk about some of the wins and talk about the successes and talk about some of the, the good things that are happening in the community. Like I saw that the photo on your Facebook page with uh, Malosh windows and I was like, well, good on you guys for, you know, making that connection and getting a company involved too. But I guess that's one thing, less thing you guys are going to have to worry about down the road, right? Because you've got generous folks that really believe in what you're doing. Yeah, it's, again, it's unbelievable. We are blown away, like the board and, um, you know, Kathy and, and myself. It's just, it's just amazing how people have, you know, called us up to say, you know, I drove by, where are you at, you know, with regards to construction and, you know, what can I do to help? So, you know, recently we had someone set up and, you know, we signed the PO six months ago. Um, you know, we want to be organized and um, have everybody set in the queue so that when we're ready, um, you know, hopefully so, the timing aligns and, you know, they're ready ready to, to do their, their piece of the, the job. Right. But, you know, we had a business follow through, they just did not have the staff and um, couldn't complete the job. So, you know, right away getting on the phone and, you know, how can we ensure that this um, piece of the project is going to get completed so that we can stay uh, on time. And again, you know, we had two businesses show up that afternoon, the owners drop everything and turned around with a, a quote within like two hours. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Right. So I always sort of stay even keel, right. Cause it all works out and, you know, people are willing to step in, step up and, and do what needs to be done. So. So you got the capital campaign rocking and rolling. Things yeah. are rocking and rolling at uh, Family Respite Services. Hopefully, we're we're turning a corner for when it comes to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What what about you? Like, what's next for you? Like, are you are you excited to to continue to march forward with Family Respite? I know that you're very passionate about it. That's evident as well. But like, what what else is on your radar? Yeah. So I typically teach at St. Clair um, each semester as well. I sort of pause that um, during the campaign. But awesome to connect with students and. 
um, you know, that keeps me at ground level too. Right. And it also keeps me up to like the research um, with regards to this industry. So um, that um, the teaching uh, piece is, is a passion of mine. And I hope that I can continue that um, specifically to family respite. Um, you know, once that project is wrapped up, it's uh I'm ready for the next. So, um, you know, I have some some ideas and, you know, I, I think I'll need board approval for them. But, you know, how can we ensure that we have sustainable income? And what we've learned, um, you know, through fundraising is that maybe we can't have those in-person events where we all sort of took a hit on, um, you know, the profit from those in-person fundraising events over the last couple of years. How can we have that sustainable income to move forward. So, you know, I have ideas around a social enterprise um, so that we have that sustainable income. How can we employ youth or young adults living with a disability? And then what's that gap in the community? So anyone, you know, out there watching tonight, if you have ideas, um, of course, you know, we want to look at, you know, um, consulting with people around uh, that social enterprise piece. But you know, running that business for the organization so that, again, we can have that sustainable income and, again, continue to close gaps uh, in our community. So um, there's also, you know, an idea that came from Scotland that landed in my email, um, how to boost um, local revenue from the pandemic. So, um, you know, the hospitality industry. So how can, you know, Family Respite partner with hospitality because we have such a great hospitality uh, industry in Windsor, Essex. So how can we partner? I'm always looking for ways to collaborate and pool our resources together and, and see what we can do. Well, kudos to you and everybody at Family Respite. I know the Boom and Lag family has been lucky enough to utilize your services through the years, and uh, we will continue to champion what you guys do uh, in any meetings that I can do. And if even it's on my little old podcast live stream, I'm happy to do it. So, um, keep up the awesome work. It's just amazing to know you, to see you in action and to spend some time with you this evening. And I really appreciate it. Give my best to everybody at family respite. And I'm sure I'll circle back for season two in 2022. Thank you so much arms and hello to Carrie and give Liam a high five for me. <laughs> I will for sure. You know, I always joke around people like, why do you do the show at eight o'clock? I'm like the kids in bed. So yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you'd see a little head pop up right here and then like little action figure wave around. But uh, no, I will for sure. And Carrie says, hi, and thank you for everything that you've done for our family too. It's uh, it's a blessing to know good folks like you are here in Windsor, Essex. So thank you. Thank you so much. Take good care. Bye, Arms. You, you too. Thank you so much. Alexandria Fisher from Family Respite Services. Awesome lady. Awesome organization. And they're doing some incredible stuff for the Windsor-Essex community. And if you haven't had a chance to drive by the location, which is located on Howard, just near Antonino's, check it out for yourself. And I'm sure if you email um, Alexandria to say, hey, you know what? We're a business. We'd like to get involved with this. This is fantastic what they're doing. You can find her email, I should say, uh, so to speak here, familyrespite.org is the website to check out. And you'll get all that information on the capital campaign and what else is happening. They really do provide an essential service, in my opinion, uh, for folks and families here in the Windsor-Essex area with kids with developmental challenges. So a um, couple of comments, private messages here asking uh, how my brother's doing. My brother's doing extremely well. Um, if you followed my broadcast career, uh, you know, I've got a younger brother I spoke of uh, quite frequently, uh, Adam. He's uh, autistic and he's uh, actually with uh, some great folks in a group home here locally in the Windsor-Essex area. And it's been hard. 
you know, through the course of the pandemic, when you have somebody who's in a group home, you know, they go on lockdown, you know, they weren't able to see anybody uh, because of the pandemic itself until they were able to be vaccinated. And even then, because of the workers coming into the homes too, there's always uh, a concern in terms of bringing uh, COVID into the homes as well. But uh, I know a few months ago, my parents were able to see him for the first time in almost like two years. It was pretty emotional. So uh, again, kudos to all the workers who are with these organizations, helping these folks live a great life. Um, those are some of the unsung heroes of the pandemic as well. So um, if you can support these organizations in any way, shape or form, so they can continue to do that work here locally, I highly recommend it uh, and get involved if you can as well. Uh, a couple of comments coming in on the live stream too. Uh, Stacy says, arms, I love your shirt. Yeah, this is um, from my, my friends over at Brand Dead. They're a local organization, local group here in Windsor that does, uh, hey, if you know, you know. You know, if I were to show this logo to Liam, he'd be like, what the heck is that? And I'd be like, roller skating. And then it would go right over his head because he'd be like, what's roller skating? I'd be like, son, there was a magical place on Dougal Avenue many moons ago where your father used to boogie and get down wheels roller skating. So they have a lot of the old logos from defunct businesses and organizations here in Windsor Essex through the years. Um, I was able to pick this one up and I wear it with pride. Um, I was at Canadian Tire the other day and somebody kind of gave me the head nod because they knew wheels roller skating, man. You have to check them out on Facebook. It's brand dead if you're so interested as well. Interested in seeing you sponsor this show. Uh, we continue with a weekly podcast live stream for this. We reach about 3,500 people per episode and it is engaged by over 17,000 people locally, monthly with the Arms, Women, Light Project. So we're looking for sponsors for the show. Uh, if you are interested in regards to what that would entail, you can always message me directly too. And I'm always looking for your weather photos too. We do weather forecasts seven days a week. It's local and it is relevant to your day-to-day. -day. You can send your photos with me and I will feature those during my local forecasts, which happen seven days a week uh, right here on my Facebook page, Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Uh, Brenda commenting, hey, great interview. Thanks for your support of Family Respite Arms. Brenda, you got a great daughter? It is my absolute pleasure to help out where I can, when I can, for the good folks here in Windsor and Essex County. So that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Take care of yourself. Don't forget that we fall back this weekend, believe it or not, so we get an extra hour of sleep. Uh, that happens Saturday night into Sunday. Set your clocks back one. I think most people's clocks do that already. So it's like kind of weird that we still talk about it, but c'est la vie. It's like we used to say, oh, check your VCRs. Oh, if you got a VCR, man, like, Kudos to you. But anyways, we fall back this weekend, Saturday into Sunday. So set your clocks if you need to accordingly. And don't forget to join us next Friday for another Arms Women Like Project with my friends over at Sparky's Toy Drive and Windsor Fire and Rescue. Jeremy Sulier will be joining us live on the show. So can't wait to chat with him. It's been a while chatting with Jesu. So that'll be coming up next Friday. Have a great night. Take care of yourself and each other. And thanks for joining us on another edition of the project. Mm -hmm.